0: the story
1: homelessness just so people understand i didn't know this myself until i was at at a salvation army place um trying to find accommodation and they said to me how long have you been homeless and i said i'm not homeless and they said well you don't have anywhere permanent stay you don't have permanent tenancy anywhere and i said no but i'm not homeless so i didn't even realize i was homeless
0: Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today we have one that, quite frankly, has really opened my eyes to the many aspects of homelessness. Carol Emanuel went through a two-and-a-half-year period when she didn't have a permanent place to stay. We'll find out how her faith was a stabilising force in her life, especially in the midst of so much uncertainty of not knowing where she would be able to live next. That's Carol Emanuel. Today on The Story, she's chatting with Eric Scatterbo and Lynn Menhennett in our Melbourne studios.
2: Carol Emanuel, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here.
2: Also joining us today is the person who introduced Carol to me, Lynn Manhennet. Welcome to the program.
3: Thanks, Eric. Really glad to be here. I met Carol last week and I only had a brief time with her, but I sense that there was a really, really interesting story here.
2: And you sent me a text. And I should say that I was just finishing off editing the interview that I did with the founders of Stable One Ministry, uh, Jenny Willits and Trevor Ingemelz, about uh, helping people who are homeless. And I found out that there is a connection here. So when you sent that text, I said, yes, let's find out what it was actually like, somebody going through being homeless, what that experience must have been like. And let me just start off. I'll just be frank with you, Carol. When I think of homeless people... You know, there are certain stereotypes and things that come to your mind. You don't fit any of them. I'm just being blunt with you here. (laughs)
1: Um, No, I I guess I don't. Um, It's uh, very little is known about homelessness with um, women, baby boomer women, me being a baby boomer woman. But that's my, that's what's happened to me. And I just learned that I wasn't the only one, that, that there was huge amounts of baby boomer women out there suffering homelessness in different situations and being forced into unsuitable accommodation. Okay,
2: so I'm very curious to know what events did occur that led to you being without a home, but first let's back up and find out what is your background.
1: Well, well, if I go right back, uh, my background is that um, I'm a a 10-pound pom, I came out to Australia Please when I was explain six. what that is. <laughs> a 10-pound POM. Um, well, the POM word isn't very, um, what's it, complimentary, so I've forgotten what that means. But, but it's a, a, a slang scheme. term
2: for somebody from England?
1: Yeah, for someone it's for someone from England or from the UK, if mm-hmm. you like, that the government paid for, then we can come to Australia for 10 pounds with the whole family. And it was a way of populating Australia. And I uh, will let you know that we have done our best. We're about 75 <laughs> uh, now. Uh, so uh, it was just my mother, father and uh, four siblings. And, uh, yeah, so we came to Australia. So they got
2: their money's worth, you're
1: saying. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> Australia's got their money's worth, yeah. Do the best we can, we say, yeah. So, okay. Um, so that's how it started. I went to live in Capramatta Hostel in Sydney and lived there for four and a half years. And I've only met one other family that was there, was in a hostel longer than us, and they were there six years, and they were friends of ours in the same hostel. So um, we grew up there, and... uh, I first came in contact. I've always had a heart for poverty and injustice, so suffering. And it started at the age of six when I came to Australia, actually, because while we were in the migrant hostel in Cabramatta, there was another hostel in the distance behind us that we could see. And um, that was what we used to call as kids the Aussie hostel. And that hostel was very run down and wooden and rickety and the children were quite, oh, um they say, snotty-nosed. And I just... I just became aware that there were people worse off than than us, not mm-hmm. that I saw us as being bad off, but I just became aware of it then. And uh, so that's where my, my life started with, uh, with poverty and injustice, mm-hmm. if you like. And at the same time in the hostel, there was this family, Mr. and Mrs. Pinch. They didn't live there, but they used to come and teach Sunday school to the children. My parents weren't Christians, but they allowed us to go to Sunday school, my sister and I. And I love going because we used to get these beautiful little colourful texts of Jesus and things like that. And um, and he was my first love and wow. um, and he's still my first love. And um, I just loved how he um, looked after children, cared for them and um, comforted children was always there for him and they sat on his lap. And I just loved all that sort of thing. And it might be, I don't remember pictures of uh, or stories in the Bible of uh, children sitting on Jesus' lap, but they're the texts that were there. And that's when I had a heart for Jesus and I had, had a heart for poverty and injustice. How did life unfold for you after that? Um, well, uh, my father uh, always worked in the baking industry, so he worked for Sonny Cross Bakeries for years. So we moved around a fair bit. And um, um, and in my life, later on in life, once we left the hostel, the um, abuse uh, started happening with my mother. And, um, my, and I don't mean my father, I mean my mum. Was abusive to us, physically abusive, uh, and other ways. And um, that was really, really, really difficult time. And I, th- I think, you know, looking back now, I can feel for mum without any family here in Australia. Um, she just had another child. She went from a hostel where she didn't cook, we didn't have a kitchen, we had mm. shared toilet facilities, um, uh, shower facilities. Um, She didn't really have a home, much of her own, so it must have been very difficult for her. And, um, yeah, so she didn't cope with us as teenagers either and that sort of thing, so we had lots of abuse in the family. So um, I kept on running away from home from the age of 15 um, till I was about, mm, I think, well, for a year, a year and a half, kept on running away from home because I didn't want to go back home because I was going to get hurt. And um, I went to live with an uncle and aunt in, in... Uh, I was living in Canberra at that time, came down from Canberra, came to an uncle and aunt. They took me in Mm. and a neighbor of theirs who they were friends with were from the Reformed Church in Box Hill and they took me, that family took me to the youth group and then I got involved with the Reformed Church and I became a Christian when I was 17 in Oasis Youth Camp in Mount Evelyn. Oh wow. Um, So that's set up quite a foundation of faith early on in life for you, hasn't it? Oh, definitely, definitely. And um, I always knew that God loved me, and um, so he's always been there. It was just constant, I don't know how to say, it, it was just like a, a constant companion I guess, you know, just part of me really.
3: And you were going to need that in the years ahead with what happened to you, weren't you?
1: Oh definitely yes, yes definitely and I used to have this picture in my head whenever I have gone through bad times and I still do and I just picture myself with Jesus having his arms around me Mm. and with my head is just um, leaning on his shoulder, you know, and um, just, you know, his arms are around me, I'm just being comforted. Um, They were in the really bad times. I go to that visual. I'm a very visual person and that really helps me a lot.
3: And as life unfolded for you and circumstances got really difficult, I'm sure that would have been challenged. Do you want to tell us about what happened then? (laughs)
1: Yeah I um, I got married when I was really young and um, my marriage broke up um, due to dishonesty in in the marriage and um, yeah so um, there was an incident where that was fraud was involved and um, yeah and I couldn't maintain my own um, integrity within the relationship and that really bothered me because I like to be you know, I'm an honest person. I see myself as a very honest person. So, yeah, so I left that relationship and I remarried oh, about five years later. And um, the person I uh, married, I didn't realise, but um, was an alcoholic. And it's because of, uh, it's not so much the alcohol that is the issue, believe it or not, uh, like people think, it's the behaviours that come from it. Of course. And um, the behaviours um, created a lot of instability in me and, um, and it involved my mental health and because of the mental health issues, I just had to leave the relationship. It's not what I want to do. I have a lot of compassion for him um, because um, alcoholism is a progressive disease and that's still a great source of sadness for me. Um, I love him very much, but not in the way that I used to love him. Uh, It's just that it's more a compassion that God's given me for him. The same with my first husband too. It's just a compassion I have for them
3: both. Yeah. So how did that lead to you becoming homeless? Well, I had to...
1: Choose to live in the craziness and the unpredictability of it all because he was very much unpredictable like my mother was too in the abuse. Um, He wasn't violent or anything like that, but the unpredictability of things that were happening um, made you walk on eggshells a lot and tiptoeing around and just waiting for something to crash basically, you know, in a metaphoric sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I knew that... Given that I already lost my home and business in the first marriage due to the fraud, um, so I had started again the second time round, you know, with my husband, the second marriage. Um, so it was hard for me to make a decision to actually leave. You know, and, and go back to where I was again, where I'm starting all over again. And this time I didn't have children. Um, that was the blessing. This time I didn't have children to think about because all my children were married by the time I got married the second time. And um, yeah, that's how I became homeless. So I left with just what I could fit in my car, basically. And it's still all I have is what can fit in my car. I think I've probably got a little bit more now.
3: And how many years later is that? Four years. Okay. Four years.
1: So I share a house now with two Christian women who are lovely. And um, still, everything I own fits in my bedroom, except for my bicycle um, hmm. and my bike rack and uh, some gardening tools. And, um, and I'm happy.
3: But when we think of homeless people, uh, I think of the images of people I've seen in the streets of Melbourne with cardboard boxes and their few possessions living on the street. Now, you're talking about a different kind of homelessness. What was that like for you? Yeah,
1: well, we talk about... Um, I was. could never... Um, Find cardboard boxes that were strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't like that at all. Um, because I'm a baby boomer woman, um, and the stats out there say it too, that we have more social connections and people don't like to see us out on the street. So we're more likely to find uh, someone that will support us even in a short-term basis. So um, so I never couch surfed either, but I bedroom surfed.
3: What's the so, difference?
1: It was a, the difference is i got a bedroom uh-huh. and a bed. And um, yeah, so.
2: Just people you knew?
1: People, family, um, friends of family, that sort of thing. Um, But different reasons, you know, like um, uh, my sister took me in at first, but, um, you know, there were situations with her and her husband, and um, I couldn't stay there on a permanent basis. So I had to move on. I moved on with a friend of hers, and um, that was uh, was working out. But then she was renting, and they sold that unit. So I was only ended up being there like not even three months. And then I can't remember. Quite honestly, I moved to a lot of places, you know, on a temporary basis, back and forth so for the two and a half years. And um, homelessness, just so, um, so people understand, I I didn't know this myself until I was at at a Salvation Army place I'm trying to find accommodation and they said to me how long have you been homeless and I said I'm not homeless and they said well you don't have anywhere permanent to stay you don't have permanent tenancy anywhere and I said no but I'm not homeless so I didn't even realise I was homeless How confronting that must have been for you It it was because uh, I'm thinking how did I get here
0: You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Carol Emanuel sharing her journey through homelessness and the impact it has had on her life. Next we'll find out how she finally finds a permanent place to live. That and more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Carol Emanuel's conversation with Eric Scatterbo and Lynn Manhattan about a two and a half year period in her life when she didn't have a permanent place to call home. Next, she shares why she decided to leave her home and about the feeling of uncertainty that comes with not knowing where she would live.
2: I'm just trying to understand. So, so you were living with your second husband who was an alcoholic. Yep and you decided to leave cuz it was unsafe
1: it, it, it was it was not safe but when you when you've gone through abuse like i had with my my mother um, in the household you're on tender hooks all mm. the time unpredictability and mentally it does a lot to you mm-hmm. you know it does a lot of damage and it was doing the same thing in this relationship it was like i was revisiting my childhood in a way and not that he ever hurt me or even threatened to hurt me he didn't it was the unpredictability of behavior um yeah so you
2: knew you needed to be physically someplace else i I know i
1: need to be mentally somewhere else and (laughs) and physically followed yes and emotionally just had to get out of it because i was gonna i was going to die Hmm. i felt like i was going to die and it's it's dying a death inside and people would relate to that but
2: deciding to leave when you didn't have a firm Place to go to. Yep. I mean, you must really have been hurting.
1: Yes, and
3: desperate, and desperate.
1: Yeah, desperate. Yeah. Yep. Desperate, yeah. Uh, and and the the thing was, I I'd, I'd already because I already had a marriage breakdown before, and God looked after me all through that and my children as well. Um, I, I, I guess I just knew that He would look after me still, and I still believe that because He's never left me. He's always mm-hmm. been beside me. And he's attached to me is the way I see it. So I guess I just I just knew that it'd be okay. I knew what I was going to be in for. Uh, I didn't realize I was going to be that homeless. Two and even. a half years. Yeah, I didn't realize that. But um, I, I had faith, I guess. I just had faith. I just knew he would look after me.
2: Now, I wanted to ask you, when you were bedroom surfing, mm. as you said, what was it like? I mean, psychologically, how did that impact your life?
1: Well, there was no sense of permanency, and you were always aware that other people sort of wanted to help you, but they wanted you gone as well, hmm. and not because of you personally, but because they wanted their lives or for whatever reason, you know, things happen to other people. Because they were looking at it
2: as a, a temporary, temporary situation. A temporary
1: situation, that's right. So, there was no permanency. You know, that was from the... Um, the housing type side of it but the other thing it did was that I was just felt so unstable I already always it was involved in my yeah, like church life my christian life yeah uh, like I was going to church you know I went to one church for 8 years another one for 10 years every time I moved I would change church but I was always very stable in my christian life But um, all of a sudden I was going from here to there and not knowing what church to go to, trying to try different churches, you know, what it's like. Churches are very different. Um, You know, I've always gone to the nearest church to where I've lived um, that, you know, I didn't even know the churches where I were because I was out of the area. I guess I've always been, um, since I was 15, I've been in the eastern or outer eastern suburbs, um, Box Hill to the Upper Yarra area, up so in the Dandenong. So it was just hard. It was yeah, just so really hard.
2: I'm just thinking, I guess we just kind of take that for granted. You have a church life. Yep. Most of us consistently go to the same church. Yep. You're involved in a Bible study. There's a community. If somebody's sick, people yep. bring you meals and things. Yep.
1: Pray, for that, yeah, pray for each other. Pray
2: for each other. All that support network. Yep. But because you're moving around, you didn't know which church you could get to no. the next weekend.
1: No, and and I was always aware that I didn't have my family, church family praying for me, you know, my immediate mm-hmm. church family praying for me. Because it's, it's, it's knowing that someone – see, so, so to me, um, I love church, but I love my fellowship group. Because my fellowship group is, is like a pastoral care group, a Bible study group, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. But I didn't have that. So I had it. A little bit, but not much in that time. And um, I found that really, 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 that was probably the hardest thing because just like I said, where Jesus was part of me and he's here right beside me, it was like on the other side, if you like, I had the church, but um, um, the church as a whole, you know,
3: and I just felt
1: I lost that.
3: Yeah, Carol, did you sense any kind of social stigma against you for being in that position? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, not so much. I actually I was say not so much social
1: stigma, rather than that people just didn't understand. Even if I told my story, very few people connected with what I was saying. Very few people, and I'm quite upfront with it too. Right. But I, and I think it's partly because of, like um, you were saying, Eric, in the beginning. You you know what is homelessness? You know, to you, it's somebody who's living in a cardboard box. So I had to ex- explain it. And and in some ways, and it's not any one thing that makes you homeless either. It's a whole myriad of things from your past and not necessarily something to do with you. It's just the way society is set up. You know, I was a, a woman that worked in my husband's business for 23 years. I didn't get paid for that. I'm not complaining. I didn't. We did that to support our, our spouses, you know. Yep. Um, I was a at-home mum. Um, I worked part-time in between, that sort of thing. There wasn't equal wages when I was growing up. I didn't have the education. You know, it's a whole heap of different Mm -hmm. things. I had, you know, four children to think of, you know, and, um, yeah, it's just a whole heap of things that add up.
3: You know? you've, you've really broadened my understanding, Carol, oh, of what homelessness is, I'm sure you'd agree, Eric. Yeah. And uh, I can't imagine having everything I own fit into my car. I mean, my house is an average house, but it's got so much stuff and it defines you to some extent and you've got somewhere to go home at the end of the day and know that this is my little haven, this is my retreat from the world. I can't imagine what it must have been like for you and I've noticed you've used the word stability quite a bit throughout this conversation Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: uh, that's the one thing you were craving in your marriage and didn't find it and then to escape from an unstable sort of situation find yourself in an even more one, an unstable one. So the strength of your life has obviously been the stability you've found in the relationship you've had with God. I guess I haven't really
1: thought about it like that, you know, but but it's true. That is the one thing that has been stable.
2: Now, we're quickly running out of time, but how did the two-and-a-half-year period of homelessness come to an end?
1: Um. It came to an end when I was in a situation where I was absolutely desperate for accommodation. Um, I actually got, uh, I had to leave suddenly one of the places because it was an unsafe situation. And I met a lady through Alanon. I'm a member of Alanon, which is um, Friends and Family of Alcoholics. And I met a lady there who was living in a place in Lilydale on Mangans Road. Yep. And I went there and. Um, they talked to me and I just said I needed somewhere to stay and they said when and I said now and they took me in. So I was there for just um, probably about 18 months or so, 16 months, 18 months and the, the thing about that place is that it was being sold and so, the, the, the tenancy was only three months by three months by three months. So, again, it still wasn't stable. Um, mm-hmm. But it gave me somewhere to go in the immediate sense. They took me in, which I was very thankful for, met a lot of Christian folk. And it also gave me a garden again because I'm a gardener <laughs> and I really, really miss my garden. Which and is something yeah. that yeah
2: you just take for granted that yeah. if you own a home.
1: Yeah. And that's why um, my gardening equipment came with me in my mm. car because that was important. But when I was there, they got five or eight acres, and I, I did all the gardens there. I did all the mowing and the gardens, and they would look really great. And it has since sold now, just recently. And then I saw an ad on gum tree, would you believe, for the two women who were looking for someone to share a house with in Moorabank. And that's how um, that's how I got permanent tenancy and no longer homeless. And that was since last year May
2: fantastic and some of the work you're doing the volunteer work you're doing is helping out people who are homeless
1: oh yeah yeah this was um, that was through the winter months stable one um, I really um, I did a lot of research around homelessness um, like housing for baby boomer women yeah so and it led to to the project I did
3: Isn't it wonderful the way God redeems those awful circumstances in people's lives and then actually uses it to bless other people? Because you strike me as a woman who's got so much compassion and understanding. And uh, I would imagine that anyone that comes into contact with you that you're trying to help, they would be treated with a great deal of dignity and empathy through what you've been through. Mm,
1: yeah, well, what's that soul saying, but for the grace of God? Exactly. Mm. We could all say that. Yeah, and yeah. you don't know and you can be just one incident away because when something happens to you in your mm. life, there's never even one thing that causes it. Mm. Yep. You know, yep. there's a, a whole myriad of things. You know, uh, lots of steps along the way to create the issue, and that could be any of us. So you could have the perfect family with the perfect yep. children, the perfect parents, and all that, and there might be an illness in the family that brings the family down. Um, you know, it, it, it's just a physical does, illness, it, yeah,
2: mental illness. A, it could be anything.
1: A it, job. Things out of your control. One mm-hmm. thing I learned. And I learnt that from when we lost our home and business years ago with my first marriage, that you think you're in control. Well, I've got news for you. Mm. You are not in control. Um, We think we are, but we're not. And I still know that I am not. And it can be no fault of your own nothing to do with you at all but it's just circumstance that has happened and it's just happened in your life that's all and um, yeah so no one's actually chosen you to go through that suffering Mm. um, or or incident or whatever happened it just happens and that is just part of life and it's accepting and that's why I guess I've never really asked why me
2: and then finally how can we pray for you today?
1: How can we pray? Um, Wow Um, I, I, I guess I'm just so thankful for my life.
3: I'm just so thankful to God. You've really inspired us today, Carol. Thanks for sharing your story.
0: That was Lynne Manhennet and Eric Scadabo chatting with Carol Emanuel about a two-and-a-half-year period in her life when she didn't have a permanent place to call home. And as we heard, people would generously offer her temporary places to stay and she was able to move from one place to another. But technically she was still categorised as homeless and it was a very difficult experience to go through. We thank the Lord that she's finally been able to find a home and we pray for others in her situation that they may too find the stability of a permanent place to stay. Well, thanks for joining us for this enlightening story. I know it's opened my eyes a bit. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.